welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris. Oh, Rachel, this is going to be a great episode. I, I can feel it already because you and I are going to reflect on the experience we had at the Assistive Technology Industry Association Conference back in well, I guess it's the 2023 conference, just uh, the time of this recording was just maybe a a month ago or so. Yes. And we have a buzz of energy because it was so much fun. I learned so much. I had so many memories and I'm super excited to dive in and talk about all the things that happened. All right. Me too. Me too. I, throughout the, uh, the entire conference, I kept a Google Keep note and every person that we asked to come on the podcast, I've got pictures and I've got their cards or them or their ad. So everyone, you're on a list. You're on a list. We will get to you. People are like, oh, I don't know. Chris and Rachel said they were going to reach out. We will get to you. You're on that list. But let's talk about that as maybe the first thing, right? Is that we ask people on this podcast, if you see us at an event, please come up and say hi. Let us know that you're listening to the podcast. And man, did people listen to us at ATIA. Was that your experience? Yes, it happened all all over the place. And everywhere we walked, I feel like we were finding people who listened to the podcast and it was really fun. Yeah, it really was. So let's start here. I mean, I guess that's where we started is thank you. Thank you for coming. If you're listening and you were there and you came up and said hi, it was one of the highlights of the entire conference was to meet with all of you and to to hear how Talking With Tech has influenced your work. Uh, here's something that I want to say about that, Rachel. I really wish Luke and Michaela could have been there. Do you know, it was such a, a shot in the arm for for me, maybe for you too, to to keep the energy going to do the podcast every week. And I just wanted to share that with Luke and Michaela, who put so much time and energy behind the scenes um, to, to make this podcast work every week. Exactly. It's not just a dynamic duo. It's a team of four. It's an awesome, I was like quadruple. Like, I don't know what that is. But yes, Luke and Michaela make this podcast possible. And it's a shared experience. When someone says they love talking with tech, it's like we have a team of people that help us. Um, so I agree. I wish Luke and Michaela, Luke and Michaela, are you coming to IATA next year? We hope so. Yes. Yes. Luke and Michaela, you have to come. Exactly. It's official. It's now on air. Now there's accountability in effect. Um, all right. So the very first day of the of the the ATIA experience, uh, for me, I flew in and uh, Beth Poss picked me up at the airport, drove me and uh, to, to the hotel. It was late on Tuesday night. Get to the hotel. And that's where I saw you. And you were there with Sarah Gregory and Ashley Laracy and had a great big reunion. Uh, what was your experience like getting to the to the conference? Well, I was flying from Hawaii, so it was pretty far journey. <laughs> I had to take a red eye, um, so I was very sleep deprived, but had some energy once I got there because I was just so excited to see all my friends and to get to the conference. And yeah, there was definitely like a, a renewed energy, despite the fact that I was very sleep deprived. You you powered through it, right? And then we had a pre-conference the next day, an entire day um, with, uh, I don't know, maybe seven, 16, 17 people, maybe 18 people there in the room, which is such a great experience for us. I mean, I mean, I, I know I had a great time. Did you have a great time? It was so great, Chris. And I feel like even more, I, I feel like there's no, the, when we present our full day course, it's never the same It's never the same day ever, 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 which is awesome. We design it that way on purpose. And I felt especially like, you know, 
this group of people that we were with all day, they were really guiding the conversation and we were taking twists and turns and like kind of uh, ignoring our slide deck in a lot of ways. And it was just such a great day full of great ideas and you know, the whole group was kind of contributing to the conversation. And we talked about some really, you know, interesting things that that session. And I just, yeah, it was awesome. You know, though, here's what I wrote down in my Google Keep pre-conference next level conversations, right? It wasn't AAC 101. It was the people that came to this particular experience were wanting to go deep dive into like sort of extension activities and extension, like, okay, we know the basics. We know core vocabulary, we know motor planning, we know presuming potential. Now let's talk about some things we haven't talked about before and, uh, or as in depth, you know, and it was, like I said, next level conversations. Uh, I know we talked about core themes. We talked about the phrasal verbs that I think uh, landed with a lot of people. But then there was a lot about how to really propagate these ideas to other communication partners and really build a culture around learning language with AEC. Yeah, I think that was, you know, that's one of the biggest struggles that we have in our field and our practice, right? Is like, we can have all the information, but it's how do we get that information to the people that need it, who are supporting our students who use AAC? And I think that that's where, you know, we all have a lot of challenges. We have challenges with buy-in. We have challenges with, you know, people on the team who have limiting beliefs about our students. Um, You know, and I think that what's really cool is that we all have our unique experiences and we also have, you know, our own ideas and we've, kind of been doing different things in different ways. And then we can come together and share that. Um, and so for me, I love those, those conversations because I'm walking away with new ideas and new perspectives and things that I haven't thought about. And yeah, it's just like really exciting as a presenter to walk away from your own course being like, I learned so much today. Now, something else that I think, um, again, maybe, maybe the highlight of the uh, of the conference was meeting so many AAC users. In fact, um, I think uh, LJ, the experience of meeting LJ was um, something I'll never forget in my entire life. Do you want to kind of describe, I don't know, what that was like? Yeah. So we, you had mentioned LJ and that you had been connecting, I think with his mom. And so you're like, Oh, let's go meet LJ. And so I'm like, all right, like I'm down. And you know, you're right, Chris. One of the things about ATA that I love is that there's many AAC users who attend and present. Um, and so there's lots of ways to connect with people who use AAC, which is, you know, the best way to learn. Right. Um, so we go, we try to find LJ, we find him And then we, you know, have a really great conversation. And my favorite part was when you asked if he wanted to be on the podcast and we have an amazing, uh, we have an amazing photo, um, of, (laughs) it's just such a, a good candid shot where, you know, his face looks back at his mom, like, I can't believe this. And then I'm pointing to my talking with tech t-shirt with this, uh, like, you know, huge smile on my face. And like, you're looking to like with this huge smile and it just was such a beautiful moment. And, um, yeah, it was really great to meet LJ. Very excited to have him on the podcast. Um, he presented and I wasn't able to attend his presentation, but I heard it was phenomenal and I'm excited to hear from him um, when we have him on for an interview. 
Same, same. Yes, I had met his mother because um, they actually live in Virginia, uh, in the same area that I do. And so I had met his mom, but not met him yet. And uh, uh, she had said, you know, that he was a fan of the podcast and that we would connect at ATIA. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be there. Great. I can't wait to meet him. And when we met, it was so it was so, um, like I said, memorable. It's a memorable experience. And then um, right after the fact, he was like, well, okay, well, are we going to chat about what our episode's going to be about? And uh, we were like, yeah, let's schedule a time. And he's like, no, let's do it right now. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, well, you have to run. We have to run. He was he was like not taking no for an answer. You did have to run. And um, he and I then, we, we went to get lunch together. He's like, well, yeah, if I have to eat, then why don't, I, why don't we eat together? And then he and I, he, he, he sort of led the way down the hallway and sort of left his mom in the dust. And it was just him and I off, you know, probably a half hour we spent together. And then again, after that, he has reached out and said, okay, when are we scheduling this podcast episode? So uh, everyone, you're going to get to meet LJ too here on the podcast. We cannot wait for that, uh, for that recording and for to get that episode out to you. And LJ is, uh, I'd put him in a, he's a teenager, right? Would you say he's like a teen, he's, he's like a young teenager? Yes. Uh, so, but LJ was not the only AAC user. Of course, you know, we got to see longstanding friends now, Chris Klein. Um, in fact, the problem is, Chris, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I didn't actually get to spend that much time with him. Uh, but I did talk to a bunch of other AAC users. I know you and I both went to Impact Voices, sort of the, uh, they had a, um, uh, a get together there and we both, we both came and met a lot of people there. Yeah, I mean, I actually was trying to find, there was another event with Karen Erickson, and then I saw Impact Voices, and it was across the hall, and so I was like, wait a second, (laughs) Impact Voices? I know Impact Voices. Um, So I was talking to a mom who was kind of working the table, and I asked, is Chris inside? And so, of course, she thought Chris Klein, I think, And, and I was like, oh yeah, Chris Klein, of course, I'm sure Chris Klein's in there. But then I was like, also Chris Bougay? And she's like, yes, also Chris Bougay is in there. I was like, okay, both my Chris's are in there. Like, I need to get in there. So I actually ended up like going to the Impact Voices reception um, instead and was awesome. Uh, we saw Kevin Williams, who's been on the podcast, and I had never met Kevin in real life. So it was great to be in person. Um, I actually spent a long time talking to Chris Klein about Impact Voices and how I can help support that organization and how I can you know, share whatever they're doing on my social media and my email list and all those things. So we had a really great conversation about um, how I can help support them. And... Hank Port has also been on the podcast, um, so got to meet Hank in real life. So it was just really nice to make these connections with people because, you know, we've had a lot of these AAC users on our podcast, but it's always nice to, to meet in real life. Yes, Lance McElmore was there, right? We got to uh, hang out and chat with him for a little bit. So, yes, Impact Voices um, uh, is doing great work there. I know that they're uh, they're having conversations about what the next experience is going to be like, and we're here for to support them. Um, I know one thing. We'll see if this if this pans out, but I know what I would really like to do again, Rachel. And uh, we had some conversations there with some of the people from Impact Voices. Is you know, recently we had an episode that was just a AC users, right? So what if that became a thing? Like maybe there is um, different AAC users that could take over the podcast, you know, and uh, um, just create an episode. There's, uh, there was certainly some interest in doing that. And I think, um, I think, I'm, I think we're there for it, right? 
Yeah, like let's give them the mic. And I think that was awesome when Chris and Lance came on. Um, And I know a lot of our listeners loved it too. I know we got a lot of emails and messages saying like, oh, I love that you guys did this and had a AAC user only episode. So yes, I agree, Chris, let's do more. All right, so I had some other conversations and I'm curious if you had other conversations with AAC users throughout the the experience of being at ATIA. And I just want to sort of, talk about some of those, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the topics that, um, that came up, um, was a chat GPT, right? You know, we've had, we've talked about that on the podcast recently. It's everywhere in, uh, technology right now talking about artificial intelligence. And I did have a conversation with two AAC users about chat GPT and how that might be used with AAC or to help people with language or in general, right? And let's just say one, uh, the conversation was me at a table with two AAC users. And one of the gentlemen is autistic. And he said, when I sort of described ChatGPT as this advanced word prediction, where, you know, it's not just predicting uh, you could you could write a sentence and, and, and ask it a question and it'll give you a paragraph or a longer answer. Um, uh, I said, you know, what do you think about something like that? What do you think about some people in the AAC space are talking about how an AAC user might type in a prompt like that, get a long response, look at it and go, yeah, that's pretty close. Let me just edit it, you know, edit that. And it gives you a much longer generative experience that a lot faster than maybe going sentence by sentence. And this one gentleman uh, who who is autistic was like, no, I'm faster and I I don't need the AI. Uh, I can do it myself, right? Like, no, I don't think I would like that. And then the other AAC user was like, word prediction is my life. Uh, you're talking about advanced word prediction? Tell me more. Where? What is this thing? Like, like, and so two radically different perspectives from, a, from two different AAC users. One was a little bit like, not sure, skeptical. I kind of, I'm good the way I am. No, thank you. Another one's like, tell me more. I want to learn more about ChatGPT and how it might be able to speed speed up my my communication. How if I am writing, how I might write something and edit it. Um, and uh, was really interested in learning more. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear that kind of polarity there. And it kind of makes sense, right? Like just from what we know about, first of all, AAC users and that like every AAC user is very different and they have different access modalities and they have different ways of formulating their thoughts. And um, so that definitely makes sense to me. Um, There was a lot of conversation around AI and AAC and what that looks like and kind of the controversy around, um, well, like, you know, is that really what I'm going to want to say? And, you know, I think that we had some conversations with people, Chris and Chris, you and I had conversations with people about this that weren't AAC users talking about the impact it could potentially have on AAC. And of course, there's this fear that, well, this AI is just going to take over and maybe that's not what I wanted to say. And then the argument would be, well, you don't have to use it then, right? Or you can edit it to make it what you want it to say. Um, You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and that I've been thinking about with AI is that I think that, you know, when we're thinking about emergent communicators, kids who are just learning language and don't fully have access to all of the language, um, you know, how could that potentially look with AI? And 
you know, I kind of like, and I like that you use this, like, it's like, you know, advanced word prediction. It's a kind of the same idea, right? So for students who are just learning language, I probably am not using word prediction and things like that because, you know, I have students that are just like, you know, tapping away on these words and they're just like, cool, like I just built a sentence with all my words. That makes no sense, right? Um, So it's like anything else, like it's going to be individualized to the individual in front of us that we're helping to support. And some of these tools are going to be really, you know, really big game changers as far as um, rate enhancement and being able to communicate more quickly. Um, But also like, anything else. We just need to look at the individual in front of us and make sure that we're, you know, teaching them how to use a technology and when it's appropriate, right? At the time that it's appropriate. All right. I have another announcement, Rachel. Tell me more. Okay. This one you don't know about. So um, I'm I'm making the announcement to you, to the world, um, right here on the podcast. It's big news. So, um, you know, I have a bunch of friends that I, my best friends that I get to with the, that I go to the lake with every year. Um, we've been talking about uh, an organization that we want to create and uh, we decided we, we've created it. We are making this organization. We're doing it. Um, so my friend Tim and Scott and Mike and Justin um, and Tom uh, are making a, uh, we've made it. It's, it's, it exists now. Uh, women's rights organization run entirely by men. Hmm. How do you, how, how does that, so I'm announcing it here on Talking With Tech. Okay, obviously that's not the case. I'm being facetious. Of course, we would never do anything like that. But an AAC user mentioned that same analogy to me. I look around at all the different AAC companies. Do you know of any AAC company that has an AAC user in a high-level executive position uh, at their company? And I was like... Well, no, I don't. Maybe, maybe that exists and I don't know it, you know, but the, this person's point was they made the analogy to me. Imagine a woman's rights organization completely run by men. That's not my idea. Right. So if that made you feel oogie that, that, uh, Kristen is and a bunch of guy friends, we're going to write it, do a, a, create a women's right organization. Then could we also feel that same level of ooginess and ickness around AAC companies that don't have an AAC user as part of their executive board <laughs> or in some sort of executive position? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I love that analogy. And also I have talked with other AAC users and some of which are like ambassadors for some of these companies. And unfortunately, um, they're either not really getting paid or not getting paid well. And so, you know, that begs the question, like, why? Right. Like, it's just really, really unfortunate. So that leads me into another conversation that I had with an AAC user named Tracy, who's going to be coming on the podcast. And she was talking about um, 14C, which I guess is a law that says that people with disabilities can get paid below minimum wage. So I didn't even know about that. And I was like, please come on the podcast to talk about that and employment. Um, So I'm really excited to have Tracy on to talk all about that. And it just, again, kind of goes into this idea that why why would that ever be okay? Like what in what planet would anyone think that that's okay? Um, So it's really unfortunate. And I'm eager to learn more from Tracy about that and to have her on the podcast to share about it. 
Well, I'm really looking forward to that interview and that uh, and learning more about that. Go- going back to the ambassadors for a second, I also had conversations with d- different AAC users talking about the um, what you just mentioned, what their rate of pay is, and what they. So, when we say ambassadors, let's explain what that means for people who aren't at at uh, ATIA or haven't been at conferences. Uh, some of the bigger companies might have AAC users come and sort of be at the booth to be like, hey, have you ever met someone who uses AAC? This is a great experience. Go, let's talk to uh, Carson. We ran into Carson. Happy birthday, Carson. It was Carson's birthday. Carson Covey, who is on the podcast, and we, he'll be coming on. He's one. He's on our list to, to come back on. He's like, a lot of stuff has happened. Let's let's chat again. So there'll be, a, there'll be another episode coming up in the future if we um, can schedule it with him. But he was there, and it was his birthday, and he was an ambassador there that uh, you could go around and you could chat with him for a little bit uh, by being at the PRC booth, right? Uh, anything else you should say to describe the ambassador, what that what that role is, Rachel? Am I leaving out anything? Yeah, I mean, it's typically an AAC user who uses the system from that company, right? So it's like, oh, like you use touch chat with word power. So PRC Saltillo, like you can be an ambassador. So that's um, kind of the other other thing is like, obviously, the individual uses that tool. Um, and so that's why, you know, and it's, it makes sense from the company standpoint to have people who use the tool to show what this looks like. And, you know, I'm, I think it's a good idea, right? I like that they have AAC users that people can talk to at these conferences and the exhibit hall and things like that. Um, I think the question becomes, why are they not getting paid appropriately? Here's what I learned is that they are getting paid. Uh, now, different companies might do it differently. So I'm not talking about any one specific company here. Um, but when they, the, the the person that I was talking to, I asked what they're, do you mind if I ask what you're getting paid for the day? And it was um, what some people make in an hour. Right? Um, so I was like, hmm, okay, I don't know how, but this person felt, like happy to be there because uh, they may have been paying either for the hotel room, right? But, or maybe the travel, like there was some other deals going on. It wasn't just that hourly rate um, and wanted to be there. Like I got to go to the conference, you know, and see the rest of the conference. So they, the, 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 the person I was talking to did not feel cheated in any way, but my own internal, I don't know, my feelings for it was like, can we do better? I don't know. PRC and uh, and Toby Dynavox and all the other, I don't mean to call those two out explicitly, but those were the ones that had the biggest booths there, right? Um, mm-hmm. they, they might be listening, Brandon, like, well, Chris, don't you know what it takes to do something like that? Like, they, they probably are saying that when they hear me say this right now. But still, I, I was having trouble reconciling. I'm not a CEO of those positions. I am not in a leadership position of those uh, companies. So maybe there's more, maybe there's more happening behind the scenes than uh, that I'm getting credit for. I'm just saying when I was in this conversation, the question popped up in my head like, geez, can we can we do better? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I've had actual conversations with AAC users who have either currently or have been in the past ambassadors for these companies and have had, you know, some not so good things to say <laughs> um, about the experience. Right. So, I mean, I think that there's validity there. And of course, we don't know all the information about what happens um, and how much people get paid and what that situation looks like and all those things. But, you know, I think that it's just like 
thinking about what we know about people with disabilities and the work that we do, you know, can we then think about how we can create opportunities for employment um, that, you know, are equal to people with disabilities the same way that they are for people, you know, without disabilities. So I just think that it's something that hopefully there's a lot of companies who are listening to this thinking like, you know what, maybe we should rethink this. Maybe we should, you know, go back to the drawing board and figure out how to be, you know, more equitable. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a point there that's adjacent to this that um, I think it's it needs to be made. And that is when you're a person, if you're a basketball player and you've learned how to play basketball, you are in no way obligated to teach the next generation of people how to play basketball, right? Uh, and it's the same sort of thing, but it seems to get convoluted sometimes with AAC or disability in general. Like if you've learned how to use a Braille sense because you're blind, you are under no obligation to teach anybody else how to do to be, make it to how to use a Braille sense, right? And you don't have to be a disability advocate just because you have a disability. If you're so bringing that to AAC, if you've learned how to use AAC, you are under no obligation to go around and teach other people how to use AAC, right? And um, sometimes I think people think there is, you know. Um, and so uh, again, I to, to your point, maybe we pay them for their time and pay them uh, really well since they don't have to do that. Like they don't have to, to, to help sell products, you know, or help teach others. They don't have to, they could be looking, they're spending their time. That time could be spent looking for other employment, doing, following a different dream, whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. And kind of to that point, there are some people who are AAC users who do want to share their knowledge and do want to teach. And so it's like, how can we really prioritize having AAC users presenting their work, presenting their, you know, ideas and sharing that, Um, you know, in conferences like ATIA, like you are going to see AAC users who have presentations and that's awesome. But I think generally speaking, like we have all these AAC conferences and assistive technology conferences and all these conferences. And it's just like, where are all the people who, you know, use these technologies and have learned to use them? Um, and how can we really amplify their voices and invite them as, you know, featured speakers and things like that, which I definitely have seen a shift and a change. And I think I'm seeing more of that now than I was before. Um, but I think we still have a ways to go, um, as far as that's concerned. Okay. Now there's another angle to the being paid to be an ambassador or be at a conference. And that is, and, and why maybe, uh, companies, again, if you're, if you're, uh, the, the two companies that we've mentioned, you're probably screaming at the podcast right now. Well, there's a reason, Chris and Rachel, here's one of the reasons that one of the AAC's users told us or told me and when the conversation was that there's caps with Medicaid. So if someone makes too much money, again, now I'm a little bit off, like I don't, I have not done research after this, it's just a, on my list in Google Keep. So uh, I'm not a Medicaid expert, but what the ACE user was, was conveying was that there's, if you make too much money as an AAC user, then they could cut your Medicaid, which means it might make it harder to get uh, an attendant or an assistant to help you. So 
it could be that the AAC companies are like, well, we'd like to pay them more, but if we pay them more, we could jeopardize their Medicaid. And so we're in this bind of having to pay them what we can pay them. Um, and so, so that seems like another uh, layer to this that is complicated. Like, why is there a cap? Like, um, but maybe there's a reason for a cap, but I don't know it. You know, this is this is something to spend more time investigating. Is what kind of um, what kind of other limitations are being put in the same way that you could pay uh, a law exists that you can pay someone with a disability less than minimum wage? What other sort of I don't know, restrictions are, are out there based on a system that has been created. Yeah. And then, you know, I think there's other ways. What's interesting about that is that there are other ways to, you know, kind of get around that too, like paying for expenses and paying for hotel rooms and paying for flights and paying for, you know, all of those things, because that's not actually income you're receiving, but it's something that you would have had to pay for out of pocket. Um, so yeah, definitely something to think about and a perspective that I wouldn't have thought about. So I'm happy that you mentioned that. Yeah, this does sound like maybe there's other creative solutions there that, um, and maybe they're happening. Like I said, I did, uh, in some of these situations, maybe that's exactly what's happening. But it all does kind of, um, here's what I would invite listeners to do with this information. When you talk to an AAC user, ask them. You know, ask them their opinion of this. Um, I'm sure that uh, some will be willing to share, you know, and then we can investigate how we can uh, improve that situation for, for everybody. I love it. All right. Um, so there was another thing that um, uh, that, that came up uh, regard to AAC users, and that is the voice options that are available on AAC devices. And I think were you there for part of that conversation with uh, with uh, one of our one of our friends? Mm-hmm. I was. Where if you were to pull up. Just this would be an excellent little activity for maybe listeners to do would be to go to any AAC application and go to the voice options and see how many voice options there are for men, how many voice options there are for like, a, I guess, a female voice, a more female sounding voice, and then how many uh, voice options are there for a black sounding voice, uh, either male or female, and just do a comparison of what those options are, right? This was sort of, um, I guess you and I have known about this, and certainly other people have come on the podcast have sort of uh, pointed this out, but it was became very glaring in our conversation with uh, the AACs. You're like, wow, yeah, right. The, the options are pretty limited across the board in almost any, any application. Is that... Uh, is that a fair summary of our conversation? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And that like, after that conversation, I was setting up an AAC system for one of my students and I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, I was like scrolling through all of the different, you know, voices and thinking, yeah, there's some work to be done there. So again, this is something that we could be advocating for as uh, listeners. Again, when you're talking to your the the representatives and you're considering AAC, one of the considerations we we often say on this podcast, we've said it many times, we consider foreign languages 
voice is not on the top of my list of considerations, but maybe it should be. Like maybe that's a, you go to conferences to learn things. That's certainly something that I learned is like, yeah, what are the voice options? Uh, we talk about uh, how many hits it takes to get to a certain word. What does the grammar look like? Voice options never really seems to make it on that list, but it absolutely should, right? Like I said, growth moment for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And something that, yeah, we should all be thinking about when we're helping teams select a tool. So, you know that, um, all right, switching gears just a little bit, but this is also AAC related. Um, you know that ATIA for me, you've heard me say it before, is sort of like a giant Thanksgiving, you know, or you get to see your extended family once a year, you know, or maybe homecoming is a better, uh, better term for it, but it's all these people that you connect with over social media um, and you might see in webinars and participate in, you know, different uh, online experiences, but then you get to see them in person. And um, I was having this, uh, <laughs> one of these people is, was uh, Mark Nichols. So Mark Nichols was, uh, he and I would work together. He'd been on the podcast before. He works at uh, Virginia Tech now. And so he and I had, had caught up um, uh, and, uh, you know, we saw each other in passing. Yeah, we'll catch up. And so often that happens where it's like, especially at the conference, oh, I can't wait to talk to you. And then you actually don't actually get to chat with them as much as you had hoped because the the the, the couple days goes by. Well, it was uh, the night of well, whatever night it was. I was walking from the conference center. Uh, it must have been the night of Ed Camp. Um, because it was late and I was coming back from the conference center and I was headed to the a bar area to go catch up with you and all the other people that were at the bar. And I ran into Mark Nichols and he and I ended up chatting for about, uh, you know, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes just standing there, you know, out, uh, before in, in, in the court of, center court area, you know. And as um, Mark and I are standing there, this gentleman comes up in a wheelchair and he's got a AAC device. And uh, he comes up and he says, excuse me, um, I'm trying to find, and he says, like, whatever it was, uh, Antigua, you know, whatever the number was, like the, the room number, a room number in the conference center. And uh, we're like, Mark and I turned to him and we're like, oh, yeah, okay. And uh, he's like, can you show me where it is? And we're like, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe. You know what, why don't we just walk with you? So Mark and I carry on our conversation while this guy drives ahead of us. And it's it is a we spend up spending like a half an hour with this guy his name is turns out to be dave um but i don't think he knew that i did a podcast on aac <laughs> and i certainly had not met him before but he looked familiar and is this guy dave oh. and the reason he was looking for this this room at night is because he was going to present there the next day and he wanted to know how to navigate there and he wasn't you know he had an early morning session he wanted to find the room certainly i i've done the exact same thing i want to go scope out what the room looks like the night before and so we were chatting with him along the way and we spent probably a i don't know half hour going from the bar area to the back to the conference center chatting mark dave and i chatting um and uh and, and long story short i here is a guy here's an AAC user that um, didn't know about the podcast. I was like, you know, did, Dave, did you know I do a podcast? And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't know you were presenting either. So we introduced ourselves, and I was like, would you want to come on the podcast? And he's like, like maybe. Let me listen to it first. You know, like, uh, let's see. What, if you... Like, who even yeah, are exactly. you? Is this podcast legit? <laughs> yeah, it was just a really... Um, you know, uh, humbling moment where it's like, I don't know who you are. And I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter. Just two strangers that I needed to help me get to a room. You know, it was, it was, it was so great. It was a great experience. 
you and I had an experience of meeting a somewhat famous AAC user who also didn't know who we were. Yeah, we uh, met Jordan Zimmerman. So Jordan is well known in the space of AAC for the documentary, This Is Not About Me, um, which I would highly recommend if you are working with AAC users. Um, it's a must watch and um, a very powerful uh, documentary and had the pleasure of attending her session and saw her at Chris as we were walking down the hall. And I was like, Chris, we got to go introduce ourselves. And I would just love to have Jordan on the podcast. So we did just that. It, it was uh, such a shame because I was in the session with you and Sarah Gregory was there and Hannah Foley was there and the poster sessions were starting um, right around the same time, like in the middle of Jordan's session so so we went to half of it and then we had to be those people like uh okay we got to get up and leave in the middle of it so which felt awful but um and missed half of the half of what certainly was a great session right yeah well the last half chris i was crying so <laughs> you didn't really miss a lot um but i'm hoping to have jordan come on the podcast um and share all about her experience yes uh like i said we when we ran into her in the hallway we were like okay let's ask her to come on the podcast and she was like haven't heard of it what is it tell us more about tell or tell me more about it so it was really good to 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 get to meet her i also feel like in 2023 like how many people have you met who are like i have a podcast <laughs> I feel like it's like a very common experience now, like everyone has a podcast. And so, um, yeah, I found myself like just wondering, like you, you just want to know, like if you're going to be, you know, associated with something like a podcast, you just want to feel like, okay, like, let me listen to it. What are these people all about? The other thing we should mention about Jordan is that, um, very recently, there was an article that she wrote all about gatekeeping and that had made its way. I had seen it through my social media, um, you know, feeds, but then people adjacent to me, people that are colleagues of mine that aren't, aren't always talking about AAC shared it with me. Like it had made its way, it burst through the bubble, the AAC bubble and got to other people, you know, which is what that documentary does too. Right. Uh, I remember watching the documentary thinking, Yes, this is really good stuff for people that really I need that they, they can't hear it from me. They need to hear it from Jordan, right? And so the gatekeeping article was exactly that same thing. We'll ask Luke to um, to put it in the show notes that article about gatekeeping so that anyone can go read it. All right. So another big takeaway for me from the conference in general was, the, like I said, the number of people that came up to us and said they listened to the podcast. Something that um, that I learned. Is you know how at the, the the last couple of years now we we do an episode where it's a year in review recap and we talk about the the numbers you know we just recently had that episode where it was like Ashley Laracy was the number one listened to episode right what we don't say in those episodes and what was really a takeaway for me is I think uh, correlation is not causation <laughs> what I mean by that is. There certainly might be the impression that if this if an episode has a high number of downloads, that it means people like it, right? And that that is how it sort of I think that's how we've said it or maybe implied it when we've been um doing these year year in review episodes. Um and, and certainly that's how I've been thinking about it, right? So but something that really came to light to me at ATIA was the amount of people that said, I listened to this episode 
like some people said, I listened to particular episodes six times. And it's like, whoa, why? For different reasons, right? I was trying to evaluate what someone was saying. Um, I didn't really maybe understand what they were saying. Um, I was using it to 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 do a deep dive in particular topic, right? It wasn't necessarily because they enjoyed it or liked it. It's because they were studying it and studying it from different angles. And I was like, yes, like that is such a great way to use the podcast. It's not necessarily about just like, you know, all smiles and like liking it, right? The numbers are really, to me, now they mean something different. Before I thought it did mean people were enjoying this topic. Now to me, it means people are studying this topic, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I heard someone had listened to a single episode six times. I was like, whoa, like that's a lot of times. But, you know, I've definitely gone back to listen to episodes more than once because it's like something that I'm processing or now I'm thinking through a different perspective and I want to hear it again. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting to think about that as, you know, we're thinking about all the analytics for our podcast. Yeah. And you can get the, well, what we often share uh, at the year in review is sort of, or, you know, when we, we pull the numbers, it's downloads, right? So someone might listen to the episode multiple times after it's downloaded. And then the other thing that people sort of conveyed is that we have most of our episodes are banter interview, right? Uh, not, not this episode, but so they might listen to a portion. So even though uh, we had a guest that, um, and that's sort of the title of our episode, the banter segment might be completely different and they might be listening to that section multiple times, not just what the guest is saying. So uh, it was really fascinating to learn from our listeners how they're using the podcast and how that really changed my perspective of, of the analytics. Yeah, no, I think that's really an important point that I wouldn't have thought about. Okay, so there was something, uh, another thing that sort of happened at the at the conference that... Um, I don't know, made me feel a little like proud and weird all at the same time. So do you mind if I share this moment? You probably know what I'm talking about. I'm really intrigued, Chris. So um, I don't remember. I'd have to go look up who the presenters were. But I was in a session and the presenters put up on their slide uh, a meme of Yoda. And that meme of Yoda said, um, do or not do, there is no try are all core words. And they had cited it underneath They that said, uh, reference AAC community. And I saw the slide, I saw the meme, and I was like, yes, right, yes. Because I made that meme back like in 2015, you know? Um, so yes, I'm part of the AAC community. Yes, reference the AAC community. They probably don't even know. That's probably why they didn't put my name on the slide. You know, where you just lost where it came from. Um, so so I did have some mixed emotions about that. I felt proud and I also felt like, oh, I wish, you know, there was a way that it could have been attributed to where the source was. And how many other times does that happen where it's not just me? Do you know what I mean? How many other times where people see their slides or their work up there and they don't get credit for it? Yeah, it's definitely something that has happened to me and happens to me kind of frequently. I like will, you know, see something and be like, oh, 
you know, like I'm, I have that very mixed feeling about it. I'm like, yes, like, let's just continue the conversation, share this information. I'm passionate about it, which is why I created it to begin with. But then there's also this other side that, you know, feels really icky about like someone not attributing, you know, your name to your work, you know, leading with attributing, right. Is not only important so that the person that you got that thing from is accredited, you know, but also it helps people understand if I love this thing that I'm seeing, like, where can I go to get more of that? If we don't know where it came from, like just saying that, right? Like I've definitely seen presenters like, I'm not sure where this came from. I loved it so much. Please, if you know where it came from, let me know. Um, you know, I think we can just have those honest conversations um, to show that we're, we're trying because I realize there's things swirling around the internet all the time that we have, you know, that we find and we can't always track down where it came from. And these people did certainly have, like I said, they had uh, referenced it by saying it, it wasn't their work, you know, reference AAC community, which, you know, the that's a step in the right direction, you know, it's the best they could do, I think, um, you know, without also derailing their their presentation to to ask if you've created the environment where you are having sort of a conversation about things rather than presenting to people. Do you know what I'm saying? One thing I'll add to Chris is that I think it's really an obligation to seasoned presenters to really demonstrate that because I think new and upcoming presenters have the ability to see that and see it modeled and really consider it. Because I know for myself, like, of course we learn, you know, in school, like always cite your sources. Like we, we, we've kind of been bombarded by that. Right. But you know, as a young presenter, like I definitely have situations where I was not, I was taking a concept that I had heard, but I didn't exactly know where it was from. And I was just like, oh, let me share this. But I was sharing it as if it was my own original idea and it wasn't. And so like, I definitely had that period of time where I was like, you know, I really need to do a better job of figuring out where did this come from and where did I hear about this? And, you know, I just think that it's something that seasoned presenters especially really have an obligation to the field um, just because as a young presenter, like I needed to see that modeled, right? I needed to see someone say like, you know, I care about figuring out where this is from or, you know, this concept is from this other person. Um, so I just wanted to to say that because I feel like, you know, there's kind of different degrees of experience with presenting. And um, yeah, I think that's just something that's really important. When we were having this conversation around the bar, right, uh, Sarah Gregory was there and we were just chatting and something that she said really stuck with me, which was just like, when you give people that, that, that you cite your source, it's like giving them uh, deeper, better knowledge about where the things came from. And to me, that what that. Yeah, I just recently listened to our um, Chris at Disney episode, right? And I was talking about scavenger hunts and how I like a layer to it. Like it's another layer. You can go back to those slides and be like, okay, well, what else has this person talked about? What else did they do? What else, what other concepts do they have? You know, it gives people more information. It makes your presentation that much more rich. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Another thing I got to mention, um, uh, shifting gears here a little bit, is I did have the great for fortune, speaking of scavenger hunts, of participating and helping create a scavenger hunt with um, the Inclusive 365 crew. We had um, this, uh, a layer on top of ATIA was the WISH, the Wonderfully Inclusive Scavenger Hunt. And what we did there was um, we partnered with Text Help and uh, 
uh, we had an 8.30 to 9.30 session on, um, I guess it was Thursday and Friday, and it was a packed room, and we broke out into little breakouts and shared some different things, and people were creating artifacts and posting them online, and we have this whole giant spreadsheet of the scavenger hunt, but there was just a fun energy to that experience where... um uh, where, where there's, we gamified it, you know, it was the kind of the same learning you could do in a presentation. Um, we could have just given them some of the strategies, but it was such deeper, richer conversations. People were actually creating things and making things. They were putting it in a place where they could, it could be shared later with other people. Um, it was, uh, I, I, I have a feeling you're going to continue to see us do the wonderfully inclusive scavenger hunt because it was so well received at this event. We had done it before, um, but it just keeps getting better each and every time. Yes, I was sad that I wasn't able to participate. That, that's a, you know what, I'm going to set an intention for ATAA next year. If that happens to be a session, which I feel like it probably will, I'm coming. I'm doing it. Now, what was the session that you were able to participate in? You know where I'm going. Look at that smile on your face. I do. I have a huge <laughs> smile. I'm going to I'm gonna take the mic from you really quick, Chris, because you're talking about Cards Against Exclusivity. And if ATA is listening, my question for you is, why on earth would you give Chris Bougay one of the smallest rooms? Because your session, Chris, I think they probably sent 50 people away because the room was packed and people were like smashed in corners and there's so many people. I was actually running late to your session and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to start. I'm not going to be there. And I'm like walking down the hallway and I see droves of people kind of circling around your room. And I'm like, I have a feeling I'm going to walk in here and it's going to be packed and there's not going to be space. And that's why these people aren't able to get in. And so it was quite a hit um, and so much fun as always. And yeah, like, hey, ATAA, give Chris Bougay a bigger room next time. I, it's 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 very rare that I feel uh, motions during, uh, you know, like uh, a presentation like that. But uh, when I realize what room it is, and the thing is, I'd been, I, if I had even thought about it for two seconds beforehand, I could have maybe done something and written to somebody, but I had not looked at what room it was in. I just assumed because last year it was packed and we had to turn people away. And that was a pretty big room, one of the medium sized rooms. Um, and I know they send people into count that doing it again this year, that it would just be at least in the same size room or a bigger room. And it's, uh, Part of it's part of that blame falls on me. I could have easily looked at what room it was in and tried to do something to to present it, but prevent it. But it was in the, the small. It was in a small room, and so yeah, I, I I fear we turned maybe fifty people away who just could not fit in the room. As it was, people were sitting on the floor. We had to rearrange the room. Big shout out to Matthew Press who came in and helped me re rearrange things uh, uh, on the fly real quickly. He did that last year. <laughs> he was the first one there. Like he knew. It's like he knew intuition. <laughs> He's like, I know my role here. Yeah. It's the room's going to be packed and I'm going to need to move tables and chairs. Yes. And he was right there on, on top of it. So thanks to him. And I guess ATI also knew because we had the last year, Matt and I broke into the hallway, the, the back hallway and pulled in chairs. It was like, Wait, let's do it again. We broke in there. They had hidden all the chairs. So it's like, oh, uh, I guess there's no more room. Like, But it was to do Cards Against Exclusivity, the, the energy in that room. Thank you again for, um, you were one of the guest judges with uh, Mike Murata and um, um, Karen, was it Karen participate, right? Yep, Karen Janowski. 
The reason I'm wondering is because we actually ended up doing it twice. We had the, uh, because so many people were turned away, uh, Ed Camp that we did on Friday, Mike was like, why don't we just do it again? Do it again, Chris. And so we did as sort of a warm up activity for Ed Camp, we did play Cards Against Exclusivity twice, which was also packed. And again, a great, I think, wonderful experience. People seem to have a, a great time with it. And this year, different than last year, I had to spend some time um, adding in. Uh, intentionally adding in artificial intelligence tools. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do that was because um, when you're submitting for conferences and when they get accepted, there's a gap of time. And then when the conference actually happens, there's a gap of time. And in between when you're submitting for ATIA and since when ATIA went off, AI had exploded. So there wasn't really a lot of there wasn't a single session on AI that was already pre-planned. So this was a chance that we could talk about AI. And of course, that certainly I knew was going to come up at EdCamp. And certainly it was. It was a great conversation we had around AI at EdCamp as well. Um, but this was an opportunity to share some AI tools because they certainly came up through throughout the Cards Against Exclusivity experience. Yeah. And you really stumped the the guest judges because we were like, I don't know what this tool is. We were Googling on our phones, like, what is this thing? I have no idea what this is either. And it was it was great. I mean, I I had no idea that there were that many AI tools out there. So um, I was excited. I learned a lot in, in that session. For for those listening along going, well, I want to know AI tool, tools. How can I be there? I'll give you one. I'll just give you one. Sort of the, the mother of them all um, would be future. Futurepedia.io. So if you go to Futurepedia.io, which was one of the cards, um, it is sort of a warehouse of all the AI tools. Like this website tries to keep track of all the AI tools so you don't have to try and keep your own Wakelet, Google Keep, uh, bookmark them all, however you try and organize it. You can go there and that place has them all for you or many of them. Writing it down literally right now. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Uh, so again, thank you for being there. Thank you for participating. And I think that's another, like the wish, there was a lot of energy around that experience. I think a lot of people had a good time, uh, a lot of laughs, a lot of conversations. A lot of people came up to me afterwards, again, saying that was their favorite session of the of the uh, entire conference. Um, so I think you're going to continue to see more of Cards Against Exclusivity. Well, I'm here for it. And as long as I'm a guest judge, like I'll be there. Just kidding. I'll be there either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I guess let's wrap up with one last thing. Last year at um, ATIA, the topic of discussion was Gestalt language processing. I mean, was that fair? ATIA 2022, Gestalt language processing was a buzz, right? Um, interesting. This year, no one talked about it at ATIA 2023. Incorrect, Chris. It's all anyone could talk about at ATIA 2023. If you thought it was crazy at 2022, it just was all the all the talk in the hallways, at the dinners, between the sessions, all the things. So yes, it was definitely a hot topic. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the vast majority of people that I talked to about this or conversations that I was in and listening to people had their skeptic hat on. They were very um, questioning a lot of, they had a lot of questions around it with a, with a skepticism around it and a, um, uh, maybe, what's the right word to say? Like a wonderment about, um, about it. I don't know, is that, and maybe Rachel, the best way, maybe I'll wrap it up by saying, 
maybe this warrants a different banter. Uh, this here we are at the end of talking about ATA two twenty three, and this is probably the biggest topic that everyone was talking about. Maybe now is not the best time. Maybe it, maybe you and I should go in a deep dive in a in a future episode about what that experience was because we probably have a lot to say about it and try to encapsulate these what we heard. Maybe this maybe this isn't the right time, but just the fact that it, it would in an episode all about ATIA twenty three. We could not mention Gestalt language processing because that was certainly the buzz. Absolutely. Chris, you just created the most dramatic teaser of all time. You'll have to come back to Talking With Tech to figure out what was said at ATIA about Gestalt language processing and AAC. Excellent. So uh, I guess to wrap it up, we'll just say we are. if we didn't get to see you at ATIA 23, we missed you. We would love to see you at ATIA 24. Uh, very good chance we'll be back again. Um, it's not in uh, the, the deal's not inked yet for another pre-conference, but I have a feeling uh, if the feedback was good from the people that, and I think it was, because I think, I mean, I certainly had a great time. The feedback, the energy at our pre-conference was there. So chances are we'll have another pre-conference plan ahead. Uh, the the dates are already set. Um, we'll put it in the show notes, whatever those dates are, because you can just Google it. Uh, ATIA conference 2024. It's in a different location, so we'll have to refamiliarize refamiliarize ourselves with where we're going to be. But um, I am certainly looking forward to next year. And just to specify, it's still in Orlando. It's just at a different hotel <laughs> because people might be like, it's not in Florida anymore. <laughs> still in the same city, just in a different hotel, which I'm like, I have mixed feelings about, Chris. I feel like it'll be interesting. We'll see. I'll, I'll be open to it. Um, but yes, highly recommend if you are passionate about assistive technology and AAC, um, it's a great way to connect with people who also share your passion. And I don't think there's a lot of conferences out there that you're able to really feel like you know people at like a deeper, more personal level. And I feel like that's the 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 joy of ATIA is really making those connections with people who feel passionate about the same things that you do. I'm Rachel Mado. And we'll see you at ATIA 2024.